You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. Welcome. How are you? How you feeling? Are you staying healthy? How many of you out there have now gotten the dreaded virus? I've gotten it. It uh, wasn't as bad as it could have been. But I hope that you guys, if you are getting it, which I'm sure a bunch of you are, you're not feeling too bad. We're getting through the winter one step at a time. I can't wait till I listen back to this episode in seven years from now. And I go, wow, remember that? Remember when we were dealing with that? God, crazy. Anyway, I'm sure you hear about it in every sector of your life. So why do you want to hear about it again when you're trying to get some good dating advice? Well, today you are going to get some good dating advice. And on top of it, you're going to learn about matchmaking. Yes, I've had matchmakers on before. Yes, I've talked about matchmaking. But I don't think I've really encouraged it as much as I'm going to encourage it on this episode. Guys, I teach you that you need a game plan when it comes to meeting and attracting women. There needs to be a game plan. The game plan is follows. You want to get a lot of leads from online dating. You want to get a lot of leads from in-person. And you want to then filter those leads through your three non-negotiables, as well as women who have a high level of interest. That's the game plan. So that means that you want to be in 2022 and on, because I know it's not going to change, getting a lot of leads. Leads is just a salesy term for you're going to be having a lot of options of women that are going to be going on dates with you, because that's what it is now. It's about numbers. It's about volume. We're in a whole new day and age where everyone has a lot of choice, more than we've ever had because of the fact that there's online dating. And also, there's just a lot of people out there who know a lot more about dating and dating advice. There's podcasts like these and courses and coaching and everything. So it's about having a lot of volume. Now, that might sound like, oh, man, Trip, I don't want to play that game. That game plan sounds crappy. I don't want to enter that game. Well, you don't have to. You can sit at home alone. You cannot date at all. I'm sure you don't want to do that. But in a more positive light, this is great. You want a lot of options. Even if this was 1967, I'd be telling you to do the same thing because you just got to filter through women that have your three non-negotiables. I've talked about that in the past and your high level of interest. So we're always filtering for that. And why not go through a lot of women, meaning get a lot of dates, meet a lot of women so that you can find that person. So I think that's a pretty fair game plan. And I think that matchmaking has to be part of that. It does. It has to be part of it. I was saying, and I said this in the interview that you're about to hear, because that's what this episode is. I was saying that if I was single right now, 110%, I'd be doing it. I kid you not. And I would be working with this company, three-day rule, which I'll tell you about in a second. But I would 100% be doing matchmaking because it is just another great source of meeting women and kind of easy in the sense where you don't have to do much work. The dates are set up for you. Of course, you're investing in matchmaking. It's not free, but you're paying for the value of you don't have to swipe and you don't have to 
go out and do approaches or go to singles events. You can just talk to your matchmaker and they tell you exactly what they think is going to be a good match for you. You're going to tell them what you think is a good match and you're going to dissect what kind of woman is going to be a good fit for you. And then they're going to go out and find that woman and they find it for you. They do the hard work for you. Now, I don't think matchmaking is the only way to go. I think that anyone out there should be doing matchmaking and online dating and going out and meeting women in person. So I think that that has to be part of the game plan. But what a great way to do it. How much value is that in saving more time? Now, you might be thinking, well, if it's saving so much time, Trip, why am I going out and doing online dating or doing approaching? Well, because you never know. You still can and have lots of opportunities to meet women in those ways. So why not triple up? Meet women in person, meet women through matchmaking, meet women through online dating. It's a win-win-win. So today I'm interviewing two smart and just really fun ladies from 3-Day Rule, Elisa and Simone. A nice, fun interview where there was a group of us. There was three of us. And so there's a lot of energy there. And you're going to learn not only about matchmaking, of course, you already know probably what that entails, like, oh, someone matches you up, but you're going to hear exactly how it works. But also, you're going to hear some really cool insider info about what women are looking for. You're also going to be learning some real cool tips from these ladies, some actionable tips, some stuff about building attraction and building connection and how women are looking to do that. So this is a really great episode, and I'm really glad that you're listening to it and you've chosen to do that. And again, these ladies are from 3-Day Rule. 3-Day Rule has been around for about a decade, maybe a little bit more. The creator of 3-Day Rule, Talia Goldstein, she's not going to be on this interview. I've interviewed her before. We are old friends. I love her to death. She gave me my first blogging spot before I was even officially TripAdvice, I believe. Or maybe I just became TripAdvice. I don't know. Either way, she had me blog on her website when they were first getting started. And I always think that's really cool. But more importantly, I know that sounds like I'm biased, which a little bit I am, but I have seen this company just do amazing work. Like incredible. I've had clients who've worked with them who've gotten amazing matches. I even have a client right now that's been dating a woman for over a year and she's absolutely beautiful and cool and smart, all those great things. And so, yeah, they just do amazing work. It's not easy to be a matchmaking company and especially to survive and they've been thriving. And honestly, I've talked to other matchmakers before and Maybe some of them are going to be listening right now. I don't think they have really the kind of eye that some of these women do. You know, I mean, they have women all over the country matchmaking and helping get people together. So this has gone nationwide. They started in LA and now they're all over the country. Incredible. 3dayrule.com if you're interested in doing matchmaking with them. And like I said, consider it. Strongly consider it. You have my full approval if you need it to matchmaking, try matchmaking, and more importantly, go with three-day rule. Also, it's great because they have a team of ladies. I don't think this makes a difference. This is my opinion, but they're just all ages. So 
you're working with women who are, you know, across the board. So they're going to match you with all different kinds of ages. Again, I know it doesn't matter if you're working with a matchmaker that's 23 or 35, they're still going to match you with the woman that you want. But I just think it's nice to have a broad perspective and have a lot of different ladies working for them. And so there's just a lot of options for them to match you with the best matchmaker. Threedayrule.com. Do it, guys. I endorse it. They rock. And I can't wait. I want to have them back on. In fact, I probably will do that in the next couple of months because it was a fun conversation. Anywho, let's get into it. Why don't we go into the interview now so you can hear what it's all about. Here's my interview with the three-day rule ladies, Elisa and Simone. Check it out. All right, ladies, I am excited to do this interview. We're here with Elisa and Simone from TDR, also known as Three Day Rule. I can't remember the last time or if I've even ever, because I've been doing this podcast for a long time, if I've done a one-on-two or two-on-one or you know three-way, whatever you want to call it, three people at once <laughs> doing uh, a discussion, an interview. I know I've had people, I've had coaches before come on and we've done live YouTube videos. But as far as a podcast, this is a lot different. Anyway, I'm excited to do it. That's the point. I'm excited to have you girls here. You both work for the same company, but you're not in the same place. Where are you guys located? Yeah, I am based in well, I'm uh, Seattle. Based. Oh, cool. Simone, you're in yeah, Seattle. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm based in Philly. I actually just moved here from New York, lived in New York for about seven years, was born and raised in Miami. So Philly is a uh, it's another big city that I'm getting used to. Cool. See, I've known Talia, the founder of Three Day Rule, for over 10 years. She was one of the first people that I talked to when I was getting started as a coach because I was going to, I don't know if I was going to be their coach, but I was blogging for them for a while from their original website. So now it's huge. It's so awesome to see that because I think she's amazing and it's just great to see her success and how big it's gotten. So other matchmakers in all different cities across the US? Yeah. Well, first of all, Talia is amazing. I feel like anybody who meets Talia or talks to Talia has this, you know, the same thing to say about her and that she's just like such a good person who knows dating, has a lot of integrity. I love her. Yes. So we work nationwide. So even though we're all kind of based all around the US, we match, you know, most of the greater cities. The New York, LA, San Francisco, Philly, you know, we're kind of constantly branching out and trying to continue to hopefully match all across the world one day. Yeah, we're constantly expanding. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So do you guys just work as matchmakers specifically to your city or does it matter where you're located? I work with clients on both coasts. I mean, I work with people all over. I just moved to Seattle. Most of my matchmaking experience is in New York, but yeah, I love working with people all over. So let's just start it off here. Simone, we'll start with you. Is matchmaking like a pseudoscience? Like, is this, is this hmm. real? I mean, there's so many companies and they're claiming big things. Is this yeah. a legit practice? Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, I think that that's the easy answer. I think that matchmaking is not a fine science in the sense that like there is some magic and sort of a high level of intuition that comes into play that isn't always easily quantified, which is the frustrating part. And I think where sometimes 
it gives a little space for skeptics to pop in, but it's, it has legitimate value. And there are so many success stories that it's not an accident that this process really does work for a lot of people. I mean, it must because there wouldn't be this many companies around for so many years. It's like something has mm-hmm. to be working there. You know, I've never tried yeah. matchmaking, but I'll tell you, I have a partner, so I have a girlfriend and we're not going to be breaking up ever. But <laughs> if anything we're were to happen, <laughs> if anything were to happen, I would 100% try matchmaking. And the reason why I would do it would be to save time. But I just wonder, I still would be skeptical. Like I would do it, but I would be like, is this really going to work? Are they really going to match me with someone? Because I feel like I'd come in and say, okay, this is exactly what I want. I want this, 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 and this. Like, do you guys get guys who come in and say, okay, this is exactly what I'm looking for? How do you deal with that, Elisa? Well, of course. (laughs) I think that one of the ways that we describe matchmaking in terms of how, you know, it is beneficial for a single person who's out there spending, you know, it's a crazy statistic, but 12 hours a week is the average in terms of what the online dater spends online. So when you think about the time that you're investing into, you know, spending time on the apps and swiping, or if you're, you know, old school and you're on the match.com, not that that's old school, but it's definitely, there's a lot of different ways to do it. So, you know, people come to us and they are quite skeptical at first, but chances are they came to us because they were referred by somebody who was already matched by us. And that's really how we get the majority of our clients and matches. Like someone knows someone who has a boyfriend because of us, or they're married because of us. And honestly, if someone came to me and they were so insanely excited and they had no questions, I would probably be like, okay, back up. What are your questions? Like, let's talk about who you are, what you're looking for and how I can service you honestly and authentically, because, you know, everyone has a laundry list. And I say it all the time. I wish I could build you the perfect person, but I can't. I just do something that a lot of people don't do these days. And that's get to know someone well and learn about them, you know, values, lifestyles, long-term goals, like what they're looking for. And at that point, when I introduce two people, I like to think that there's enough of a foundation there where it's just about seeing if you have fun, there's some attraction and you can just kind of take it from there. So to answer your question in a much shorter way, we've heard it all for sure. And sometimes we need to take a step back and just kind of, you know, be realistic with what is out there. And I think that that's really where we bring a lot of value to. I mean, we're on your team, we're your wing person, but we're also your mirror that you can't really escape. And we're here to tell you, like, take a step back. This is what's attainable. And this is what we need to do to get there. Okay, got it. So in terms of, let's say a guy comes to you and says, you know, this is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Do you ever go to your database and go, okay, listen, I hear what you're saying, but that's not available right now. And then they have to wait. Like how fast can you actually get someone on dates and start doing it? Or do you go, okay, we're looking for that right now, but I do have someone else that you might like. Would you want to try going on a date with them mm-hmm. first? Like what's that first step process when they come to you with what they're looking for? That's a great question. It's always a little bit of a mix. And also you never know because it's completely, it has to be a mutual match. Like the person that I want to set up with my client also needs to be interested in my client. And sometimes someone will get back to me right away. And sometimes it'll be like three weeks. And so it also, it's a very organic process. I would say that, you know, 
sometimes clients will come with a really prescriptive list and they'll like be very clear and have a sort of very binary sense of what they're looking for. And I definitely honor that. But I think there's also, I wouldn't be doing my job or operating with integrity if I didn't say, well, okay, if this is exactly your type, maybe this hasn't worked for you in the past, you're single right now. What are some other layers or elements that maybe you're not seeing that you would do really well with in terms of like a partner? So I definitely take into account when people are very particular about their list. And then also I'll say, okay, so you want someone who's between like five, four and five, eight and makes X amount of money and is really into scuba diving or whatever. But I also have this other person that maybe you didn't like, wasn't exactly who you described, but her sense of humor seems really similar to yours. There's an energy that I think would mesh really well with you. And I want to set you up with her first and then we'll see kind of like your ideal pick and go from there. Anything to add to that? Foundation. Yeah. I mean, I think you said it perfectly well. It's like so many times people come to us because they're so over the dating apps and they haven't had any luck by themselves or they just got out of a relationship or they're recently divorced and they really don't even know where to start. They're like, what am I doing that isn't working? Mm -hmm. And I've come to you with a laundry list and I want you to find me somebody who checks off these boxes, but like, what else is there? Like, what can I help you with? And that's where we come in with that advice and the foundation of just like, listen, you may have been going for this your whole life and that's great. And we're going to work really hard to get this. And chances are we're going to introduce you to a ton of different women or, you know, men, whatever the case may be, who do check off these boxes, but I'm not going to hold you back from somebody who, you know, maybe a little bit outside of that, if you trust me and you know that we're partners. So I think in reality, if you're willing to put in the work when it comes to, being open and giving things a shot, matchmaking is the best option because you're not doing it alone. You're going to meet a ton of great people. What ages of men and women come to you for your service? Well, this mm. is this is funny because I always say this first. My youngest client ever was 21 and my oldest client ever was 73. So <laughs> it could definitely vary, but our average <laughs> is typically between mid-30s to mid-40s. Like that's the average pool that we tend to service. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do men ever have an issue with that in terms of they come in even saying, oh, well, I don't want a woman over 30 or I don't want a woman over 32. Do you get that a lot? Yeah, all the time. (laughs) How do you handle that? (laughs) Well, we have those. Yeah, it's just we, (laughs) because that's our average, it tends to be who we work with the most, but it doesn't discriminate against anybody else. We have, again, my youngest client was 21. So I had to find a ton of women in their early 20s who were open to dating him. And he also, even though he looked quite young, he was very mature. So another pro of having me on his side was I was able to talk about his personality and sell him, even though you know it wasn't false advertising. He was amazing. But that's not the kind of things that you see on a dating app right away. So it's a lot easier for you to make a snap judgment when all you see are a couple of photos and a a little write-up. So yeah, to answer your question, (laughs) we do work with many, you know, amazing, successful, beautiful women in their 20s, late 20s, early 30s. The sky's the limit. What's the most (laughs) ridiculous thing that people, (laughs) men and women both have requested in terms of the person that they're looking for? Like, let's start with women. Any interesting things that they've requested where you're saying to yourself, Well, I don't know. Maybe Mm -hmm. you're saying, oh, I got that guy. Or you're like, uh, Mm -hmm. what? You know, like anything come to mind? 
I mean, I just had <laughs> a meeting with someone who I really, they're, they're not going to listen to this. So feel free to really just <laughs> give the details. Well, I, yeah, I just had a meeting with someone who I really had to bring back down to earth because she's amazing in a lot of ways, but she's looking for someone who is like in their essence, one of those Marvel superheroes. Like she described him to a T. She was like, I like really, really chiseled arms. I want him to be able to pick me up and throw me in the bed and all of these different things. And she was like, I just want him to be like the superhero and I want him to take charge and all this. And I was like, okay, I'm going to let you let this out. Vent, you know, tell me everything that you want. But you know that those movies are put into society to help build this picture of really what makes you feel safe. And in reality, when it's 2 a.m. and the baby is crying, you don't care what his muscles look like. You care that he's going to roll over and be like, I got this and go take care of your screaming baby. So in reality, you want all of these things and that's amazing, but those are the kind of things that they burn hot and heavy at first and they fizzle out. So let's talk about when you think about what this partner is like in terms of their personality and how they make you feel, what does that look like? Looks aside. So, you know, it was like building a real human and not necessarily a a Marvel character. Yeah, I would say like the more unreasonable or sort of like, you know, higher requests have to do sometimes with those tangible like accolades or pedigrees. Like a lot of women are looking for security. And so some very common ones are men that are over six feet tall or make a certain amount of money. And I think that, again, it's a little bit of a conflation of what you actually really care about versus what would make a good partner. But I do find that it's not as outlandish. That's it tends to be a pretty common thing. It's about like stability, security, and height are the typical requests. Right. I say these three things and I feel like it always really resonates with women, whether we realize it or not, when we first meet a guy and we're on a date with a guy, we're feeling out for three things and it's in this order. So the first one is, do I feel safe? The second one is, do I feel special? And the third one is, do I feel sexy? So I tell my male clients, it's like the three S's, just remember it's three S's, but she's evaluating you whether she really knows it or not for those three things right off the bat. Interesting. Okay. Let's talk about safe. Let's talk about safety. Mm -hmm. Cause I talk about this a lot also in terms of building what I call comfort with a woman, right? It's like, she won't be willing to go on dates with you, have sex with you, be in a relationship with you. If she doesn't feel comfort and attraction and comfort is safety is what you're saying. So I'm curious, when you say safety, what does that mean? How does a woman feel safe around a guy? Yeah. Or how does she well, know she's question. safe? And what does that, you know, what does it all <laughs> entail? Yeah. Well, I think when we really break it down, when a woman is building her perfect man, sometimes we gravitate towards things like financial stability, height, things that, you know, masculinity, being able to take the lead and all of those things have been so ingrained in us to believe that that's what makes up safety. And in reality, safety is your comfort zone. It's your space. It's like at the end of the day, if you can sit on the couch with your partner and feel so at home and feel fulfilled, that's safety. That's being able to know that you can depend on somebody, you can count on somebody. So the tricky thing is how do you feel that right away without letting all that other judgmental stuff that you see right off the bat kind of clear and cloud your vision? And in reality, there's no easy answer besides familiarizing yourself with what safety means to you. So if safety means to you, like you were at, you know, a restaurant or a bar with someone and you feel like while you're in their presence, they have your full attention, their energy is good, 
it's someone that you feel like you can talk to and you're feeling pretty comfortable with and someone who doesn't pressure you to be in a situation that you don't really want to be in someone who isn't, you know, pushing you again in a direction that you just don't feel comfortable in. So it has a lot to do with safety being really a little bit more tied to comfortability than it is, you know, what we, with society, what we tend to kind of place as like, I want to feel safe with a guy like this. Simone, mm-hmm. when's the last time you were on a date or did you have a boyfriend? Yeah, I do have a partner. <laughs> That's like the first matchmaking question too. <laughs> they're like, are you married? Do you have a partner? No, because if you're not, it's, I think it's a little weird. I'm not going to yeah, lie. Yeah, they're like, show me your credentials. Yeah. It's a little weird. You're a matchmaker and yeah. you haven't matched yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a little shady, mm-hmm. but you guys do. Okay, That's Simone, when you were on your first date with your guy, did you have a mm-hmm. safety thing? Was there anything that made you feel safe or maybe even unsafe? I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, I was friends with my partner for about a year and a half before we started dating. So I already had that sort of built in familiarity and understanding of who he was, his like friendships. And, but I will say, I think that like something that women look for with safety, there's a lot of different examples, but it's about being really attuned to cues. So that's like asking questions, that's respecting physical barriers until you're given subtle permission That's about, you know, planning ahead and providing structure, following up on dates. When women feel like they're being seen and heard, I think that those two things are what provide that sense of safety and then allow for a more kind of like organic, natural momentum to build on a date. It it feels like safety is almost close to synonymous or part of connection. If you don't feel a connection, it doesn't mean that you don't feel safe. But if you don't feel safe, you definitely don't feel a connection, right? It's like, there mm-hmm. could be something going on. I forgot which one of you said it. It, it just triggered the, the thought is that it's like, I imagine a woman's sitting there on a date talking to the guy and he's not really paying attention or he's not all there. Mm-hmm. He's not very present. That can make her feel mm-hmm. unsafe. But also what's happening simultaneously is there's clearly a lack of a connection. Right, right. And that's where feeling special comes in too. Because so it's all, it's all interconnected, really. Up, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why they're the three S's. <laughs> I mean, I tell my male clients, setting yourself up for success on a date is like the easiest thing that you can do. No matter what, at the end of the day, it comes down to having a connection and feeling attraction and you know having some type of spark, which can be built over time, which is another tricky and very controversial topic. But ultimately, do the right things before the date. You know, Reach out to her, plan a date, be thoughtful, follow up after the date, confirm the morning of, you know, don't leave her alone at the bar at the end of the night, make sure she gets into her car or whatever the case may be. Like if you were doing the few things that you can do that are fairly easy to do, you know, get to the date a couple of minutes early, just make sure everything, you know, the setup is right. At that point, you have points in her eyes because you have, you know, put those steps in to make her feel special and show her that you're excited. And at the end of the day, it really is the easiest way to, you know, have things go as smoothly as possible and let the rest just be up to whether you guys have a connection. Now, you guys don't just work with women, you work with men. So mm-hmm. when you were talking to a woman, what are you saying to them in terms of what a guy wants, right? So you're saying to these guys that you're working with, special, sexy, safe. You're like, guys, remember that. It sounds like you're coaching them a little bit on that. 
So what are you saying to the women? Do you have three S's for the women? Yeah, I do actually. <laughs> I do. And it's not S's per se, okay, but maybe it's, R's. it's three things. A little, you know, a couple different okay, letters, but I think threes are easy to remember. And what I tell my female clients is so much of making a relationship work with a man has, it comes down to timing because it can be the right person. If the timing is off, who cares? It could be the wrong person, but the timing is on, you're his wife. So ultimately when men, when that taxi light comes on and it's like, I'm ready and I'm searching for a partner and I'm, you know, I'm looking for her. He is thinking of three things. And this is assuming that long-term you guys want the same things. So the first thing is, am I attracted to her? Because men are very visual creatures, whether we like it or not. The second thing is, do I have fun with her? And then the third is, do I respect her? So when those three things are aligned, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of room for growth and it being a a fairly good relationship that could be, that has long lasting potential. (laughs) Okay. Simone, (laughs) anything to add to that? Is there any coaching? (laughs) Do you say that similar to guys or what do you say? No, I think that that's great. It's just breaking it down into those simple terms. I think, again, it's like we are sometimes our own worst enemy in dating. And when you make it that simple, a lot of things kind of are thrown into relief that otherwise would kind of get in your own way when evaluating a potential partner. So I think Elisa said it perfectly. Thanks, girl. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to, that's pretty good. It's actually, it's really good. Because I'm thinking about the first day that I went on with my partner and she was fun. I respected her and I was attracted to her. And those things continually showed up as I got to know her. I say, from what I've heard from a lot of guys is they're looking for fit, feminine, and friendly. Have you heard of the three Fs? I haven't heard of that exactly. No, but that, <laughs> but that definitely, like that's, that's yeah. Definitely, that's what we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's typically the laundry list. Yeah, mm-hmm. fit, feminine, friendly. And it kind of reminds me of what you guys are saying. It's very similar. It's like on that path, you know? Fit would just be you're physically attracted to them. And then fun mm-hmm. would be friendly. And then what was the third one? Do you guys? Feminine, uh, respect. Re- respect. Oh, I don't know if yeah. those two line yeah. up perfectly, but yes. <laughs> but yeah, respect and then. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's that's really good. Okay, so let's talk about this then. What are some of the, like show off to me, like what is some of your, if I was to become a client and I'm like, sell me, what is your, each of your <laughs> best matches to date? Just, you can just like name one, unless you have two incredible ones, but just name one. You're like, this was awesome. Like it can even be a story if you want, where it started off as a disaster and then it worked out, like you never thought it would happen. That's like when I sometimes work with a coaching client and I'm thinking, okay, this one's going to be a challenge. And then like, boom, we get a ton of matches and a girlfriend and it's just like, Mm -hmm. hell yeah, we did it. I don't know. Those are the best kind, like the the ones that you didn't expect and that maybe you had to work a little harder for or they had to work a little harder for it. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, I can do anything. Okay, story time. What do you Yeah, it's so satisfying. <laughs> I actually have a mm-hmm. great disaster story that turned into a success. It was one of my, actually, Flex, it was uh, my first client that I ever worked with. I set wow, her up with someone. Cool. Yeah, I set her up with someone, we'll call him Greg, and they were going to get drinks in Midtown, and he was 
half an hour late. And this was when the trains were like absolutely terrible in New York city. I think it was like the summer of 2017 or 18, everyone was late. And so, <laughs> but regardless, he was, she was super late. She almost left. And I was on the phone with her and I was like, please don't leave. He's such a great guy. I promise like, this isn't a great look, but I'm going to bat for him because I know he didn't mean to be late. And this isn't an indication she was like, okay, Simone, like I'm trusting you on this one. Don't disappoint me. So he finally showed up. They also, the hostess had kind of messed up the reservation. So they also like spent 15 minutes in the restaurant, like looking around for each other. But anyway, they finally met and he told her that he would make it up to her on their second date. And he worked at the Bronx Zoo. He was like a volunteer. So for their second date, he took her on a private tour throughout the like meerkat section because she was a huge meerkat fan. And they got married in January, last January. So Wow. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Okay. I like that. That's a good one. So, yeah, you never know. So <laughs> You never know. What was he mm-hmm. looking for? What was she looking for? Do you remember? Yeah, so she was looking for somebody that had a really keen sense of work-life balance, who had kind of a dark sense of humor, who had the capacity to kind of laugh at sort of the more absurd moments of life. She was a uh, an actress who then kind of changed her life around and uh, worked in HR. So she wanted someone who kind of could understand her background in terms of that like element of creativity. She didn't care about a lot of the typical things that some of our female clients come to us with. And she also was really looking for someone who wasn't afraid to be like goofy or embarrassing in public. And I just remember that like when I interviewed Greg, he was just so exuberant and really sincere and didn't, he kind of lacked some self-consciousness, which is sometimes typical when you're talking to a stranger about, you know, your love life. And I always like account for that, but he was just so open with me and told me an anecdote about his friend's wedding about just being silly in public. And I was like, okay, that's enough to go off of. Do you just (laughs) talk to these clients and you kind of remember what people are like, or are you, I feel like if I was doing, if this is my job, I'd be taking notes on all their little personality traits and then lining things up to figure out if they're a good match. Or are you kind of like, you know, John comes to you and He's this kind of person. You go, oh, you know what? Scarlet would be amazing for you. Like, are you, is it just like off the top of your head? Or are you having to dig into questionnaires and things like that? Personality tests? Well, I think it's kind of like a mixture of all those things. I think that to say that matchmaking is black and white, hell no, definitely not. It's so much of intuition and matching energies. And oftentimes it's way less about the on-paper stuff. Like, of course we pay attention to the on-paper stuff because it's important to respect somebody's preferences. But at the same time, we wouldn't hold someone back from meeting someone great if we connected with that person. We were like, there's something about them. Like, I can see you guys having a blast. I can see you guys laughing. Like, you like to do all these similar things. And again, she may be a little bit different than what you initially saw yourself with, but go on the date, give it a try. If you hate it, it was the worst date ever. Come back to me. We'll talk about it again. At the end of the day, it is a date, but ultimately dating is a numbers game. And it's a lot about chemistry. And I think energy is a big factor there. You can feel it when someone's energy just kind of syncs up with someone else's. It's like introducing a friend to a friend. And really that's so much of the way that we like to look at things at this point. We know both of you. So it should feel like a friend is introducing a friend. Got it. Okay. Yeah. 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 But I'll tell you, I've tried to match make two people who are friends and it was a disaster. (laughs) 
Yeah. Because I didn't imagine getting it was I, I just I was like, oh, this person's yeah. single. This person's single. Yeah. I like my guy friend. She's cute. You guys should go on a date. Yeah. It was disaster. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> well, imagine getting date feedback after. We talked to both our client and the match after the date. So at that point, you're really just crossing the lines. And I can't even tell you, and someone for sure, you've had this experience so many times too, but how many times we will connect with our client and the match, and maybe they haven't spoken after the date. And it's almost like one person is waiting for the other person to reach out. And I think the tricky part about you know, dating on apps or, you know, however you are dating, you don't really know what the next move is. And you don't really know how the other person feels unless they communicated it to you. And oftentimes that's how ghosting happens. It's like, it has nothing to do with you. You didn't do anything to ghost. It just kind of seems like the easiest, best step when no one has reached out. And in reality, you guys could have gone on a second date or a third date. So when we're able to kind of bridge that gap and be like, no, he liked you. (laughs) <laughs> like send him a text yeah. and reach out to her and say like, I had a great time. And at that point it's like, whew, all right, finally. Totally. And just to jump off of that point, I think that so much of like app dating is kind of like dating in a vacuum. And when you have that like person who is holding you both accountable, who provides a little bit of that context, it gives a little bit of another, like an added metric of understanding and familiarity that just makes you reach out for a second date. Whereas maybe if you had met on an app, you wouldn't take it as seriously because there's not a third person who's kind of running interference for both of you. And again, that like level of kind of fun accountability. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, I talk all the time about the paradox of choice because that's really the times that we're living in. It's like, there's so many mm-hmm. options on the apps and it's not necessarily making dating easier or better. In reality, you're just getting fatigued from it. And I compare it to if you've ever like been furniture shopping, you're doing something online where you're scrolling through pages, all of a sudden you've gotten to page 20 and you're like, how did I get here? And everything looks the same and there's nothing in my cart. And that's exactly what the dating apps can feel like. And a crazy conversion rate that is just like, it blows my mind every time I say it is only 14% of actual conversations that are happening on the apps turn into in-person dates. So when you're thinking about potentially 12 hours a week, a 14% conversion rate, and you're still not meeting the right person after doing this for like three months, at that point, you're just like, what What do I do? Is there anyone out there for me? And that's why you get negative on dating. And in reality, we're bringing the human element back into it. And it should feel mm-hmm. like Again, a friend is introducing a friend and things are easier. Do you give guys the choices? Are you saying, okay, I have Stephanie, Annalise, Mm -hmm. and Sarah. Which one would you like to go out with? Or do you go, I want to show you this one person? Or do you show them multiple? This question is coming off of when, Elisa, you said the paradox of choice. So how do you guys do that? Do you give options? Do you want to explain it or should I explain it? (laughs) Go for it, Elisa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we work in a lot of different ways. So we work mm-hmm. with the client either for three months or six months, or we have a VIP package. And what three months looks like is three months of matchmaking where we're presenting you with someone who, you know, we could have met 10 to 15 women before we sent you someone who we're super excited about. And you'll get full information, photos, a bio. We'll tell you why we like this person. And then from there, you're out into the world and, you know, meet them. We'll continue to refine. Not to say that you don't hit it off with your first match. That'd be a dream. That's great. But we'll always continue to continue our search unless you exclusively tell us not to. So then we have a VIP package. And that's the same for three months or six months. We have a VIP package that is 
more geared to that that male who wants <laughs> a little bit more of like the hand on what the process looks like. And he is probably pretty specific when it comes to his career, his lifestyle. He probably outsources his laundry, like things like that. So he he knows what he wants and he really wants us to, you know, show him options to choose from. So we'll create, you know, a presentation. And at that point, he'll be able to choose who he's excited about. And those women will have already showed interest in him. So there's really, there's not a lot of downside there. Simone, is that the process that you're doing as well? Yeah, it is. And I will say that, you know, I work primarily with the like VIP package or gentlemen. And I will say that, you know, I will show multiple women at a time. But when I add anyone as a match to a presentation, I'm really particular about why I chose them and really hone in on, you know, making sure that they understand. There's still like an emphasis on the individual so that it's not like, a, you know, you're swiping on an app. There's still that sort of like narrowing down focus on um, each particular woman. When a guy signs up and he's been through a number of dates and he's just like, yeah, it's just not working out. Like, I just don't like any of these women. Do you ever try to pinpoint or communicate to him that maybe the problem is him? Where do you go with that? How do you solve that problem? Where it's like, he's been on a lot of dates and just nothing is clicking. Or maybe that's not a problem. I don't know. Maybe that's just the process and it's just going to be a lot of dates for a long time. Well, I actually have an interesting response to this because I did this a lot in person and now I just do it virtually. I do something called a mock date, which is a date between my client and me. And, you know, when I did this in person, it was kind of like, I explain the ins and outs and what this looks like. And I'm just like, okay, if the feedback is coming back, that there's no romantic connection, we're just kind of missing the mark and something's going on. You and I need to go on a date and we need to figure out what's happening here. If it's something that's a little bit more tangible that he can give me feedback on right away. So if maybe these women are just attraction wise, it's not working, like there's something there. That's when my intuition and we have to really work together to strategize to just kind of change things up a little bit. It's really about having real honest conversations. And I think if you can have that with your matchmaker, it's just kind of continuing to place you in a position where you need to have real and authentic conversations in your relationships. So you're practicing with me, like be honest with me and let's figure out what's working and what's not. But mock dates definitely help because I can often sometimes see that some of my male clients are kind of putting, they're putting their best self forward, but it feels very friendly. So oftentimes there's just a little bit of tweaking that we can do in terms of like body language and flirting tips and compliments to kind of just the, boost the, the sexy romance part. in a situation where you're meeting someone. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So many people forget about that because of course, you know, you want to be respectful. We're living in COVID time, so you don't want to be inappropriate. But a lot of all of this just revolves around communicating and again, just making someone feel special. That goes such a long way. What, do, what are your guys' best flirting I tips? also think... Okay, hold on, Simone. <laughs> Go ahead. Finish what you're going to say. Mm -hmm. And then we'll, I want to hear each of your flirting yeah, tips for both well, men and women. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Simone. So I would say that like, I also really track feedback 
really intensely. And if I have a client that we have to like recalibrate our search or they've been on X many dates and something's not working, either I will often be upfront and say, well, you know, out of these six dates that you went on, four of the women said that you didn't ask enough questions and they didn't feel like you were interested or curious about them. And it turns them off and they weren't interested in a second date. Like, and that's not me saying that that's for, you know, people. So I try to get really analytical about sort of consistent notes and go from there. But then also I will own if we're looking at women that are maybe a little bit more like outgoing and a different like energy than we like kind of originally talked about, then I'll shift gears too. It's like, I want to come at this from like what I can do on my end and how to recalibrate on my end, but then also be like, and this is where you're getting in the way of yourself too. Okay. I mean, you have to, yeah. And there's that fine line. Yeah. There's Mm -hmm. definitely that fine line between this is what I can offer you and this is what you need to do. And I wouldn't be doing you a service as your matchmaker and as your friend and someone that you can trust if I didn't tell you, you have all the tools you need to tweak this a little bit. Okay. I have another question before we get into the flirting tips. Who's each of your favorite type of client uh, male to work with? Because I can imagine maybe, you know, you might intuitively think, oh, you know, if you get a rich, super handsome, strong, tall guy (laughs) that you guys might be like, oh, love it. I can get this guy, any girl. But that might not be the case because this guy might be just terrible to work with. You never know, right? His attitude, maybe mm-hmm. he's super unrealistic or super picky or whatever it is, but I don't know. You tell me, what is your favorite type of client to work with? I really like the guys that are open to my coaching. Me too. Those are my favorite clients too. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Like it could be so case by case for sure. And women are the same. It's just, you know, the nature of the beast. Everyone has their opinions on what they think works and what doesn't. But actually to go back to a question that you asked like five questions ago, but I was thinking about it. I had a client who, when I met with him for the first time, we sat across from each other at a cafe and he slipped me a piece of paper with a list of things he was looking for and pretty much his life story. Like it was front to back. And he said to me, I'm going to go to the bathroom. You read this and I'll come back and we'll talk about it. And I was just like, what, what do you No, like you're across from me. We can have this conversation. So I kind of thought he was going to be really, really tough, but all this to say, you know, I knew that there were some things in his personality that we probably needed to change and things that maybe he wasn't seeing a lot of success because of. And it was a little bit of a, he wasn't doing it on purpose, but he was just a little bit, a little bit too confident to the point where it didn't seem like he was, you know, he was being true to himself. It was like cocky. It just like, it wasn't great. So after his first date, that was pretty much the date feedback. Just, you know, she basically said to me, like, he showed me his watch and he told me, you know, he has like one house here. And I think that we dissected it a lot deeper and all that information just kind of came from a place of insecurity. He's like, I want her to like me. Like, why am I not going to talk about the things that are great about me? But in reality, I gave him the feedback and he ran with it. And he was so much more interested in coaching than I originally thought. And I was just, I told him the truth. I was like, I kind of thought you were a nightmare. But yeah, so basically he's worked with me for a while. Like we've added, yeah, we've added matches to his package because now we have like such a great connection and we love each other and I want him in a successful relationship so bad and he's getting there. He just had like seven dates with someone, like it's going good. But basically all this to say that he slipped me that that piece of paper and was just like, I want you to read this. I'm going to go to the restroom. We could talk about it after. And I was 
totally mind blown <laughs> that he was asking this of me because we were sitting at a cafe. Tell me about you. This is, you know, this is my chance to get to know you. And it really just came down to him being a little cocky, a little overly confident, and it translated in dates. So after his first date, you know, that was pretty much the feedback and I shared it with him and I let him know, you know, she told me that you were talking about your watch and your houses. And he was just like, that's me. And I wanted her to get to know me. And I wanted her to like me based off of all of that stuff. And ultimately, once I gave him that feedback and I was like, well, that's the reason why you're not going on a second date. <laughs> she thought that you led so hard with just all of this material stuff. And ultimately, like she does check off a lot of our boxes and we want somebody who is kind and down to earth. And if you want somebody who's way more interested in those things, we could change it up. We can talk about that. But I don't think that that's really like the core of who you are. So let's take a step back on our next date and, you know, let's get to know her more. Let's ask more questions and let's not lead with material possessions, but instead, you know, let's talk about your family, the things you love, the things that you're passionate about and totally open to my feedback and my coaching. And he's, he's gotten so much better. I'm so proud. <laughs> yeah. No, that feedback is important. I mean, especially in your guys line of work, it's all about the whole thing is feedback they're going to be going on these dates. Women are going to be going on these dates. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most of the dates won't necessarily work out. So they're going to be asking, what did I do? What did they think? And you're going to be telling them the reason why it didn't work out, unless they didn't care because maybe they just, they're the one who's not interested, but still eventually that's going to happen and they have to be able to take feedback. So I can imagine someone who can take feedback and can take the coaching you're going to give them through whatever it is that you feel that they need to fix for next time is very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we tell all of our, all of our clients, mm -hmm. we have like such a holistic approach. And if you l utilize us for everything that we have to offer, you know, any dating tips and coaching and, you know, wardrobe, all these different things we're here. So the worst thing you can do in this process is just expect to get solely matches and not have a partnership with your matchmaker and really utilize everything we bring to the table because you have a dating expert and you have a woman in your corner. She's going to tell you what works and what doesn't. So, you know, it will serve you best totally. to, yeah, to listen and just be the best version of yourself and the best dater. And that way, even if it's a numbers game, and you're meeting a number of people, you're positioning yourself so that when you meet the right person, you're good. You've practiced. Simone, you want to add to that? Yeah, I think that you matchmaking is like you get out of it what you put into it. And sometimes like some of my clients don't want my coaching and I totally respect that. Some of this is also just about really refining the kind of person that you're looking for combined with my estimation or my gauge of who I think you're compatible with. And some people don't want feedback. And I also totally respect that too. Matchmaking is like, it has a lot of layers to it. And I have very different relationships and cadences with all of my clients based on what they're looking for and kind of what they want out of this process as well, which I think is part of the fun and the, the joy of it as well. All right, now we can go to the flirting tips. Who, who's got one for me? What's your, what's your best flirting tips? For, let's start for guys. What do you give? What's your best one for guys? And then what do you say to the women? For guys, okay, I don't know if this is necessarily like a flirting tip, but I think it's about like creating an environment or like setting the tone on a date that allows for like flirting to start happening. So one of them right, is like great. not yeah. being on your phone, very baseline. 
like full attention. The second one is like being so polite and friendly and like optimistic with everyone you're interacting with, whether that's like the waiter, it's like establishing banter with other people. So then she'll feel free to also jump in and like start going with a bit. It's really just about like gently setting that tone because I think sometimes with dates, a common thing that happens is that it feels a little bit stilted or it's hard to build a natural rapport and it can feel like a job interview is something that I think people have said. I'm sure you've heard that too with some of your clients' trip that it's like, it lacks a little bit of the like whimsy. So when you can like have the opportunity to invite your date into like a tone that you want the date to go in, you have a lot of control over like directing that energy. And I think that that's, that's a really good tip. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I mean, I, to kind of go off that a little bit, I think so much of it is kind of tricking yourself into feeling really comfortable. And one thing that I say, at least for the first date, so that they, you know, understand that this is just like a mindset that you have to kind of turn on. And eventually when you turn it off on so many times, it's just who you are. And I think when you're meeting someone for the first time on a date, tell yourself before you get there, I've known this person for 10 years. This is somebody that I haven't seen in a long time. I've known them forever and I'm excited to get together with them. And then immediately, what kind of energy would you bring to the table if you're going to have a drink with somebody that you haven't seen in a while that you had a great time with? You're going to be like, hey, you're going to have that warm energy. And ultimately, you know, thinking of the friendly, flirty, all of that stuff, men and women alike are drawn to warmth and they're drawn to, you know, again, going back to feeling safe and special. It's really about, you know, being with somebody who makes you feel good. And a lot of that is really how you're showing up. So if you can show up with that warm energy and just kind of, you know, make somebody feel like you're excited to see them, that goes a really long way. Cool. Okay. So I like that mindset showing up with the energy as if this is someone you haven't seen in a long time, which is going to be warm and exciting. Coming in, not looking at your phone, you're going to be socializing with other people a little bit. They're going to be looking at how you treat other people. I'm curious though, are all these first dates, dinner dates? What's the first date that you normally have these people go on? We typically advise against dinner. We think it's just a little bit too much pressure. (laughs) What do you say? Drink or coffee? Yeah, we say drink. I mean, we also advise against coffee because it just, it can leave people kind of jittery and set the stage for more of a business meeting. Yeah, it's more of a business meeting. But if you don't drink, order a mocktail. But still, just kind of being in that romantic kind of ambiance, maybe dim lighting, you're just setting yourself up for more of a romantic space and potential to kind of let that, you know, romance grow in a situation where you're meeting somebody that you probably don't know at all, which can be awkward. So set yourself up for success in any way you can. And that's just, you know, dim lighting, romance. Like, what would you do if it was, you know, Treat it like it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I heard once that, I don't know if this was through like a Jewish matchmaking thing or if it was just like a tip in the Jewish community. You're getting matched up with other people, but it's not necessarily like through a matchmaking company, just through the community. What they do is they always have them go to a really nice hotel lobby lounge and i was like oh that's cool that's i never heard that before that's very specific and i get it because first of all it's safe second of all if you're going to a nice hotel then you're going to be in a very sexy romantic kind of atmosphere 
because it's going to be dim lighting and nice aesthetic. So yeah, no, that's a good idea. Okay, so no coffee dates. No coffee dates. You don't encourage dinner, some sort of drink. And if you're not into drinking alcohol, order yourself a mocktail. Cool, I like it. So this is what I'm saying here is I was always into the idea of matchmaking. But it's nice to talk to you ladies and hear more about it to understand a little bit more in depth of the process of like what it would be like to go through it and understand too, I feel like you're going through it with, I mean, hopefully with someone like you two who are down to earth, who are going to be, like you said, in your corner on your side and pushing you in the right direction and coming from a very non-judgmental standpoint. Is matchmaking really popular? Are a lot of people in terms of like the job, like is it a competitive job to get into? So Simone, when did you start? Mm-hmm. I started matchmaking when I was 23. It is, you know, my first like legitimate job right out of college. And it's been what I've been doing my like entire professional life. It's really interesting though, because I feel like matchmaking has punctured the mainstream now in a way that it maybe hadn't a couple of years ago. It seemed a little bit more like niche. And I felt like people were a little bit more wary of it. And now it's almost commonplace, especially with the pandemic and so many people work from home and the ways that it's, you know, you meet people organically has become a little bit more difficult. So yeah, it is quite competitive. And after I started working as a matchmaker, I feel like a lot of my friends were like, well, how does one become one? Like, I would like to do it. (laughs) Yeah, I will say three day rule definitely, you know, besides just having a skill set and being like a natural people connector, most of the matchmakers or probably all of them, we all have a pretty similar personalities. Like we all kind of, I think they were all very empathetic. We're all super intuitive. We're hardworking. And those are definitely qualities that are needed to be a matchmaker. And, you know, I can't speak to many other matchmaking companies. I've had the pleasure of working for three-day role the entire time I've been a matchmaker. I was in staffing before that. So kind of same thing, different stakes. <laughs> but I feel like our matchmaking approach, is way cooler. Yeah, way cooler. Once I figured out it was something you could do, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> but I feel like the way that we work, I think that we all share like a major level of just like wanting good for everybody that we work with. And that can look really different depending on the situation. But I think ultimately matchmaking has become pretty popular. I know that we're all super busy all the time, but we welcome like any and every connection. I mean, I was at a dinner party yesterday. I say dinner party, but it's probably like six people and like three people. I left the party with like their information. Now they're in our pool. So it's like, even if we're not, you know, out and about meeting people in real life, the way that we used to, we like stock LinkedIn and we do all these different things. The potential for making connections is super endless. And we just, we have these personalities that we, you know, we enjoy doing that. So ultimately I think if you trust your matchmaker and you know, you, you put faith in the process, like we will work so hard for you. So Cool. Wait, so you go on LinkedIn and you'll find prospects for your clients? Oh, constantly. How do you know, though, that that person would be good? I guess you're just basing it on what they do and and a picture of them. You kind of don't. It's like a numbers game. But if I'm working with someone who is kind of specific, like maybe she only wants to date lawyers or doctors or certain career fields, or maybe she wants somebody who like went to her alma mater, something kind of specific. It's a really easy place to get specific, but ultimately it's very similar to just dating in general. It's a numbers game. So we'll meet a lot of people. Okay. So how hard would it be to match someone? Imagine if I was your client and I'm a dating coach for men. That'd probably be really, 
that'd probably be hard, I'd imagine. You're going to tell this woman, okay, listen, you're going to go on a date with this guy. He gives advice to men. He's a professional dater. Well, that's what they would assume hearing what I do. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Would that be hard? Not that I'm going to be a client, no, but I'm just curious. I I'm think just curious. would be so into that. Yeah, I feel like it's like a major selling point. I feel like that's what people ask my boyfriend. They're like, how do you date a date coach? Like, is she not kind of coaching you all the time? And in reality, it's like, if someone is doing that, they're probably kind of patient and they're probably more willing to communicate, which ultimately is the key to a successful relationship, communication. So that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be actually a major selling point. They'd be like, oh, he's in touch with his feelings. He's introspective. He's not afraid to like go deep with me. I think that would be a huge plus. Very cool. So <laughs> is there anything else that each of you want to add in terms of why you believe matchmaking is so much more powerful than any other form of dating? And maybe I just put words in your mouth, but I can imagine you you must be biased in that, in that direction. I mean, we're definitely biased. <laughs> Do you want to start? I got yeah. a lot of thoughts. Yeah. I would say like one thing that I feel really passionate about is that it's a lot of men specifically. And again, I work primarily with men don't have a, like a confidant or a friend that they feel that they can be vulnerable and emotionally open with. And I provide not only a feminine perspective, but a safe, you know, free judgment zone to really dissect each date. I think it's, you know, incredible to have someone who is tracking all of your dates, your progress. I always want to hear about my clients like dates externally of three day rule as well. Like I don't just look at the matches that I set up. I look at everything holistically and like track progress. And when you have someone who is always there to listen and reflect back to you every step of the way. It's just immensely useful and and kind of therapeutic in a way. And again, I'm not a therapist, but I think providing that support and um, space for men to be vulnerable is, is just so key and so important. And yeah, something that you wouldn't just get from a dating app. And I also had one, not bone to pick, but kind of bone to pick with you about texting on your TikTok. We can maybe talk about that after. Oh, let's go. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. No, let's go right now. So you, you I'm made excited. a TikTok. Okay. Well, maybe that... give, give Elisa some context. Totally, give, totally. Or give everyone, yeah, some context. Go ahead. Yeah. So Trip made a TikTok about how you should not text someone immediately after a date if you want to see them again, that you should wait like a day or two. And I the three day rule. And I don't, I like vehemently disagree with that. And I also tell my clients to, if they are interested to be really proactive about setting up a second date. And I was curious why you advise against that. Well, first of all, I will say we have found the exception. I don't think that that would be some, well, I don't really know exactly how the process works with matchmaking in terms of, I don't know if you're supposed to like follow up with your matchmaker first is that what you do? So like I go on a date with a girl and there's I'm no, like, whatever, no however rules. I feel, there's no rules. I mean, I, t- I tell my, and sorry to interrupt you, I tell my mm-hmm. clients, if you enjoy the date, don't waste time. Like lock down the second date on the date. You can say like, I had a great time. I'm excited to see you again. And that's it. And that, when I talk about, you know, talking yeah. about date feedback. Death is fast approaching. Yeah. <laughs> talking about date feedback so many times that, you know, there is that miscommunication. And why would you not position yourself for success if you have the opportunity to do so. So I 100% agree. I actually do encourage for guys to set up the date, the next date on that date. I think that is a more efficient that way for sure. Mm. If that doesn't happen, 
So what I say is, I literally mean one to two days. I don't know, maybe people hear then they think like, I'm loose with it. Like I literally mean you should not wait two days. So what I'm trying to actually tell people is that, or guys, is that they should not wait too long. You need to do it within one to two days. My point is, is when you're doing it, when you text them, text them to set up the date. Right. So that's all I'm saying. I'm just saying do it in one mm. to two days and then set up the date. I guess what maybe gets out of context and so many people get so angry with that um, video. It's hilarious. It's like playing is, the game a little bit. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to tell guys. In me. <laughs> is don't sit there texting and trying to get to know each other. Right. So what I'm saying is don't text girls. Because mm-hmm. that's the headline of the video on TikTok. Like, stop texting girls. Is stop texting them to play catch up and chat and how are you and what's going on. Yeah. I'm all for text them the next day at the worst two days later, but the next day, if you haven't done it on the first date, the next day you text them and you just set up the date and that's it. Hey, I had a great time. Why don't we grab dinner? When are you free next week? Right. That's it. Just a text like that. Yeah. So to clarify, not that you need to agree, but that is what I mean by it. I just don't want guys sitting around texting all day because what happens is, and this is the thing. It's like, I'm going really against the grain here because we're living in a world of of Gen Z where they learned how to communicate over digital. Even I, I'm a millennial. I also was on the cusp of that. I was talking to people all day on AOL Instant Messenger, yeah. freshman year or whatever. So it's like, <laughs> I get it. You're learning how to communicate digitally. So you think that that's where the communication happens. And I'm trying to get people to understand that even though that is the norm, you're not going to do yourself any good by texting and trying to get to know somebody. Because I don't know if you girls know this. This is what dating is like for some of these young people. Oh, yeah. They think dating is texting. Mm-hmm. And again, I get it. I'm not like old man, like, why are they doing that? Like, I understand why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, first of mm-hmm. all, you're communicating to a woman that you have all this free time in your hands and that's not attractive. Mm-hmm. You might say something wrong because people read text messages in their own voice. Mm-hmm. Right. You ever read a text message and you think it was something kind of rude and they didn't mean it that way at all? It's only because oh, yeah. you read it in your own voice. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of room for error. So it's better to just set up the date and meet with them in person. And then I get guys who say to me, well, Trip, what if they want to text me? What if they want to keep texting me? I say, well... You can give, you know, to like ghost them, like you give them an answer, just give it to them hours later to kind of show them like you're not a texter and then just keep a date always being set up right. mm-hmm. so that you can connect in person because that's the real place where you're going to build attraction and a connection anyways mm-hmm. is in person. I mean, it's anecdotal proof, but I've heard stories of people texting a lot and it's like all fun and games. And then like they finally meet up and it, it's like nothing. Just, no, no connection. <laughs> it's like, you just wasted your time. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. What do you guys think? Well, as you explained it, or you were like mid-explanation, I figured that's probably what you meant because that's pretty much the advice that we give to our clients too. And I give it to male clients, male matches, female, you know, whatever the case may be, and tell them do not exhaust conversation before the date because ultimately you two are being introduced already fully vetted. You're on the same page about a lot of things. You want to meet each other. Do not have conversations that should be had in person where you can feel things like tone and energy that's so important and detrimental to creating a connection. 
over text because it's like you're no leave it for in person and in between dates between you know first date second date third date don't over text either because you're doing the same thing you're getting to know someone via text when in reality you know you want that human element you want to be able to feel out someone's sense of humor someone's energy those things are all super important and ultimately you're going to get to know them through text and it's just it's not going to be exciting it's not going to be fun so that's advice that we give to everyone We're like don't text too much in between dates Mm-hmm. And I do get feedback sometimes from women that like, he's not texting me enough or, you know, we have these great dates, but I'm just not hearing from him in between. And I like to always think no one is going to treat us the way that we want to be treated unless they know, unless we tell them. And a big mistake that people make these days is like, you assume that someone knows the way that you want to be treated. So if you're going out with someone, you guys have been on a couple of dates and the communication in between dates isn't great let them know. Just tell them like, Hey, I have such a great time with you on dates. I feel like in between, we're not really talking that much. So I just wanted to bring it up to you and see what that's about. And ultimately- Wait, so, mm-hmm. so a woman will say that they're going on dates. Mm-hmm. The dates are going well. The dates are always being set up, but she doesn't like the lack of communication in between the dates. Is that what it is? I hear that sometimes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. It's just like interesting. It's like as long as you have a, because I get guys who say, well, if I don't text her in between dates, she's going to think I'm not interested. And I'm thinking, well, I get that. Mm-hmm. But what if you have a date set up? Right. If she still thinks that and there's a date set up, then I would think that this is a needy person. <laughs> well, that's the advice that I give too. It's like if if... If he's making the plans and you guys have such a great time on dates, check yourself a little bit. Like, is it your attachment style that you feel like you need to be communicated with a lot more often in order to feel secure? And if so, we got to work on that. Let's talk about it. Like, what do you need? Do you need a friend to just talk to? Text me. We'll talk about it. But if you need that, you know, affirmation from him, let's dive in a little bit deeper. If you need more communication, it's valid. You guys have been on a number of dates. Like you're, you know, at a place where you may become exclusive communicate and explain to him, you know, this is the way that I want to be treated and communicated with. And at that point, if he's the kind of guy that you hope and think he is, he probably is going to run with it and do his best to, you know, respect your wishes and communicate a little bit more. But ultimately in the beginning stages of dating, I think that over communicating is a big no, no. And the presence and energy of your in-person dates should say it all. Simone, I heard a a little from you uh, a little bit ago. Like yes. you didn't, you didn't agree no. with I want to hear your thoughts on that. Annalisa, great thoughts. Great thoughts. Thank there. you. Yeah. I, I think that, that like texting in the early stages, it should be only about like flirting or making plans. You know, there's definitely a fine line between like, you want to keep the line tight and you want to like build anticipation. But I think like very lightly communicating and only in sort of like a light way, it literally should just be like jokes or like something vaguely flirtatious and like fun. Other than that, it should not be like, how was your day? Anything like that. That's like a mood killer. You don't need to know that yet. You're not, it's not your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It's more intimate. Like get to know each other more. How was your day? You don't even know, like, you know, nothing about her. You don't know what her house looks like. You don't know, like, give it, give it more time. (laughs) Like, even if she tells you, you're still not going to totally get it. So who cares? You know, at that point, get to know each other a little bit more intimately. And then you can, you know, continue to kind of build that, that honesty between your wants and your needs. Yeah, for sure. One tip I give to online daters. So what I tell guys, my clients that I work with, they're like, texting me and saying, Trip, 
I'm not going to be going on a date with a first date with her for seven to 10 days. It's like, she's just like busy or she's like going out of town. I'm not going to see her for two weeks. So what I say to them, this would not be the same thing with matchmaking, but I would say then just set up a FaceTime date. So now we have an opportunity to connect with them faster instead of waiting because after two weeks, it just might not even happen where it could have happened if she wasn't busy or maybe he wasn't busy. So I say just do a FaceTime date to start to see if there's something there. Do you guys ever have any clients do FaceTime dates as a first date or is it always in person no matter what? We definitely do virtual. I recommend, you know, in between dates too, like I had a client who her match was traveling and he was out of the country and they weren't going to meet for their second day for three weeks. She was asking me like if I had any tips and tricks. And ultimately I was like, try to put a voice to your communication. Like don't text a bunch, see if maybe you guys hop on a phone call or like if you hop on a FaceTime and she circled back with me and she was like, we hopped on a FaceTime and it was great. It was so nice. And it was like no pressure because you know, you're not going to like frankly end up back in his apartment. (laughs) It's kind of like still keeping things, you know, moving in a healthy pace in a situation where you can't, you know, be, be with each other in person. Yeah. I would say like, it depends. Like some of my clients, I would say yes, definitely. But some of them, I just know that they like test better in the room, meaning that they like need to be in person and they'll shine in that way. And because I've already vetted them, I don't want them to be uncomfortable on FaceTime and somehow make their match less excited about meeting them when I'm confident that they'll, you know, really gel in person. Yeah. That's good advice okay. too, for sure. <laughs> that's um, that's like advanced level matchmaking right there. Mm-hmm. Setting yourself <laughs> up for success. That's important. Yeah, where you're like, okay, mm-hmm. you know the person, you're like, no, you're doing in person. Yeah, I'm like, uh, mock, other, mock other date me first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like let's do a mock video date and just see how it goes, yeah. but <laughs> right. chances are let's right. keep it, keep it in person. Mm-hmm. So cool. Well, you ladies are awesome. This is really fun talking to you having all of us be able to connect. I know this is because it's virtual. It's at times tough to see who is talking over who and who is saying what. But it was a nice experiment and it went well and it was great. And you guys have great information. And yeah, I mean, obviously I fully endorse what you girls are doing and especially with three-day rules doing because three-day rule, how many years has it been in business now? About eight years. Eight, nine years. We were a startup, what feels like a second ago. I think longer. I think longer. I mean, if you go back to like the very core of their days when it was kind of like a website, it wasn't like like the Shark Tank days, then that's like a little bit more. But full functioning matchmaking, it's probably been about that time. And it's been great. Again, we're busier than ever. I'm really happy about it. So cool. Well, I'm very happy that you guys are busy. You always will be busy. And yeah, I think matchmaking is awesome. And I think guys should be using your services. If they want to use your services, how do they reach out? How do they contact 3-Day Rule? Yeah, well, they can sign up directly, 3dayrule.com. There will be a page where they can go ahead and fill out like five minutes worth of information. And at that point, they'll have a free profile in our database. that's totally private, only for the matchmakers to see. And a matchmaker will reach out and get to know a little bit more about them. But they can also connect with Simone and I directly. I'm Elisa, E-L-I-S-A, at 3dayrule.com. And Simone, Simone at 3dayrule.com. Cool. Awesome. Well, I'll put all that information in the show notes. 
three-day rule, spelled out three, dayrule.com, and your email addresses so guys can, yeah, inquire about your services and see what it's all about. And I think it's worth it. And I know I'm going to say this in the intro, so this is going to be a repeat for people who listen to the intro, but it clearly is going to save you so much time. And also, I just believe you're going to be at a higher chance of finding a match that's going to be good for you in the long term through doing matchmaking. Because you could easily find someone on a dating app Mm -hmm. or you can meet someone wherever in person, but there's no guarantee that's going to work out because maybe you're not looking for the right things. But it sounds like through matchmaking, I think Simone said this, it's a, or is you someone? It was a holistic process where you're going through the whole process itself of like, okay, what's good for you? What's realistic? What are you looking for? What's going to match with you? But also, what do you want? And then tweaking along the way. So yeah, it all sounds good. Thank you both for being here. Really appreciate it. Maybe we'll have you again on in the future, and yeah. we'll we'll debate more topics if we need to about my TikTok videos. And uh, any any last words from you, Lisa? I appreciate you having me. This was so fun, and it's great to be able to connect with you know a fellow date coach and invite me back because I'm here and I want to <laughs> keep spreading the good word. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you.